Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Clore. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. We've got a very special guest and thank goodness we have Mike Ray, the president of the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan and the what we call these super enthusiasts from these parts all across the Midwest actually. And Mike has got uh, a Rolodex and actually I, I call it a Rolodex because Mike, you told me nobody has Rolodexes, they have cell phones. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely correct. I don't know, would you, were, uh, you must carry a 45 pound cell phone around because your contact list is un- amazing, but this guy that we're gonna interview tonight folks needs really no introduction. If you've been connected with Mustang for the last several years, um, it turned out to be uh, a superstar for us because those of us involved in the hobby really love to um, find out who was running the show at Ford when it comes to Mustang. And when we got the, this gentleman, uh, the world was great. And we've got some great news tonight from Mark Scheller. And Mark, uh, welcome aboard for this uh, special Inside Ford Performance Edition. And thanks for taking the time out. Thanks for having me. I always love to talk Mustang. Oh, absolutely. I know that. And maybe you can tell us a little bit after you came out of Arizona State, um, you know, when you got involved with uh, being a zone manager when you started at Ford back in 04. And, you know, then you got all the way to Mustang product marketing. And maybe you can explain to some of our listeners the difference between the product marketing manager and the consumer marketing manager, because sometimes that gets confused. And then when you became Mustang brand manager, things changed for us, Mark. I know you were instrumental in... um, uh, getting me my Ford Performance Transit, and we have just put uh, 55,000 miles on that baby, and we have to turn it in. It's already it's already worn out. Um, and then you had to move on. I know uh, when you went to be customer experience manager, we thought, no, don't take him. I know Mike Ray. How many beers did we have to kill, Mike? When we it was a bad night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Sad. That was like hearing that was like hearing when Parasac got promoted. <laughs> yep, good team. Yeah, but now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the good news is that Mark's going to tell us he's got a new job, and it's got something back to do with Mustang and performance. So, Mark, I know when you left becoming um, the Mustang brand manager, that must have been difficult for you because you were so ingrained in the Mustang community. Everybody got to know your name, and you really, man, you hit the ground running after you got did the uh, product marketing. So, start off, Mark, by explaining to us, what was the product marketing versus consumer marketing? Yeah, so the way that, that Ford works, we, we have to divide and conquer a lot of our responsibilities. And Mustang is such an important nameplate uh, within the company that we need dedicated people to think about what should the next Mustang be versus how do we promote and sell and, and share all the goodness of what the current Mustang is. So that's one of the big distinctions between the product marketing role and the, the consumer marketing role or brand manager is. Um, Think about it this way. Anything that is top secret is product marketing. So anything before we reveal. So as we look at what could the next generation be, what would it look like? um, What does it sound like? What are the performance specs? That's all going on within product marketing. And then as soon as we reveal, so back in the day when we would reveal something at the the Detroit Auto Show or or one of the other auto shows, um, at that point, there's a, a handoff. And the product marketing manager passes the baton over to the brand manager. And then that person takes it from there and they're responsible for 
uh, talking with the media, meeting with the the customers, right? The the clubs, the owners, uh, talking about all the good things that Mustang has to offer, uh, and really being able to share share the stories and share the specs of the Mustang. Whereas, unfortunately, for the product marketing manager, it's kind of like you know we it's like the CAA. We can't really talk about it, right? <laughs> you know what we do, but we can't really say what we're doing. So. That's, I would think, the, the biggest distinction between product and, and brand. Well, Mike Gray and I remembered uh, back when you were product marketing manager. And Mike, uh, remember the time when we found out that when when Mark says you got to hand it off to the brand manager, when Mark handed off product marketing to himself to become the brand manager. And <laughs> yeah. wasn't that a great time? Mark, you really left your mark. And a lot of people get nervous when we get new product and Mustang brand managers, because some of them are really into the cars and enthusiasts and others are into the deliverables a little bit more. And, and it was so great and refreshing to see you get out there. How did that transition take place? Was it because they could see your energy and product marketing and thought, boy, you should carry this into the, because that was right around the launch of the 15. Yeah. So I, I came in right as 15 was, was launching in product. And then um, started working on the MCA, finishing up 15, working on the 2018 model year, the Shelby GT350, um, the Bullet Mustang, so a lot of the performance derivatives. Uh, one of the, for people that are are excited about it and really want to follow the product from start to finish, the company usually does a pretty good job of making it available to them where they can take their product and walk it all the way from product, which is you know, an idea or a sketch on a piece of paper and take it all the way through what we're actually launching and selling the cars. And that was a, a great opportunity that I had. And, and I jumped at it because I, I am passionate about the brand and about the vehicle. And, you know, I love the, all the owners. I mean, just talking with, with people about Mustang uh, is, is very enjoyable for me. It's not just a, a paycheck, right? Uh, one of my friends who's Actually, the current brand manager, Jim Owens, who you guys know very well, oh, always yeah. says, you know, that, you know, it's, it's nice when your personal and your professional interests align, right? So if you're enjoying what you're doing and you're also getting paid to do it at the same time, it's a beautiful thing. So it was one of those opportunities that I was able to, to align the passion with, with the work. And, and I had a great time, spent, you know, six years uh, on Mustang and in one capacity or the other. And then, like you said, I moved to a different position, but it was a good thing because it allows me to flex my muscles in different areas, learn some new skills. And like you guys are very well aware, right? We, you're never really gone, right? And, and <laughs> in Mustang and in, in performance, it's actually a relatively small world. And just like that, three years later, I'm recycling back in. And now I'll be working at the brand new role that, that we just created. And we are going to focus on services and experiences. So beyond the sheet metal. What do our Mustang owners want from us? What can we provide them beyond just, here's the car? And so these are things that could last not just the first day you take delivery, but you know, one year, two years, five, 10 years down the road, right? It's really trying to look at the entire ownership experience for a Mustang owner. And as we know, those are different people. You're not just buying and no, no offense to Explorers, I, I, we have one at the house, they're great. But the Explorer customer is different than the Mustang customer. There's a passion behind it. There's a love for the vehicle. And, and we want to try and deliver something maybe beyond the sheet metal, right? So what would those things be that, that our customers really want and desire from us? What can we provide them that's different than, than somebody that, that might want to buy a, uh, an SUV or a truck? 
that sounds uh, something that's really well needed, Mark. And um, I remember when I first met you and got the chance to listen to you on a first meeting and I took Jim Owens aside after the meeting and I go, hey, this Schaller guy really gets it. He goes, oh, you're going to love him. You're, you're going to love him. And I don't know, Mike, do you remember the first time you met Mark? Yeah, I was very, very fortunate to be on the launch team for 15 Mustang and uh, GT350 on the, the product uh, information side. And uh, it, it was just, I remember the first meeting and the first meeting was with the engineering team. Um, it was on GT350 and Mark was leading the meeting. It was the first time I actually seen him like in action, if you will. And to say I was impressed is definitely an understatement. Um, he knew everything that was needed to know um, and beyond. And just the way he spoke so professionally in the meeting to everybody and knew everything, even on the engineering side, he he seemed to have input on everything. So you can tell he was um, he he was deep into uh, into his project. And uh, yeah, it was just it was a truly an honor for me to to be able to be a small part of that team. You know, Mike. I, I, we should just be honest with Mark right now and tell him that when we meet a new person coming in out of the Ford world into our hobby and they, we are introduced to them for the first time, we're kind of like the kids in high school when they get the transfer student in, you know, like, who's this guy, you know, and, and I got to tell you, and Mark, you know, this, you got to be nice to him, John. You, I know, you I know. Him too much. <laughs> it's not bullying, but I got to tell you, if you show up at one of my events and you're in a tent, and if you and you're you're talking for Ford, if you're if you don't know what you're talking about, you get exposed pretty early in the hobby. If you're not a true Mustang person, not a true hobbyist, and not a true enthusiast, they can see right through the talking heads in three seconds. And and Mark, that's the I mean that's the best compliment we can give you is that you know a lot of people come in, they may be the brightest people out of the best universities in the country, but they wouldn't know a carburetor from a catalytic converter, and they never busted their knuckles on a set of headers and they haven't lived our life. So there's a little bit of a camaraderie with people that really know the brand and, and know the experience that the owner experience, what it's all about. And we don't just live you know, with our Mustangs and drive them around. We live them as a hobby and as a, as a social, social life. So Mike, you're so right. And uh, Mark, and that's why we have to tell you this. I mean, we don't usually tell people what we thought when we first met them, because some of them, we can't really repeat that on the air, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no we've you, been lucky. You're going to give you, the PG version. <laughs> yeah. You and Owens really rocked the house. And thank God S550 had you guys. And, and I, you know, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, when you went to customer experience, I thought, well, be honest with us too here, Mark. I mean, what better car would there be in Ford's lineup to prepare you for even your couple of years over at customer experience than Mustang because of the way the customer is so involved with the product. No, you're exactly right. It's, it's a very unique customer. You get exposure to things within the Mustang world that really can translate to lots of areas within Ford Motor Company. And that, it was very beneficial. It was bittersweet to leave, but it's one of those things that in order to continue to progress and in order to maybe have the opportunity to come back in a different capacity, you got to, you got to step away to come back. And I did that. And it was one of those that you hate to leave, but you also got to look at it from a long-term, you know, uh, I've been at Ford since 04 and I have no plans to leave anytime soon. And, you know, hopefully my career might wind around a little bit, but I love being close to this particular product and, and the consumers. It, it's more than just the product, right? I mean, if it was just a cool car and nobody cared about it, it, it wouldn't nearly be as interesting to me. 
Um, the fact that we have this very passionate owner base that it's not just a one and done car. It's a lifestyle. It is even when you go through life phases that, you know, you're a Mustang owner and then maybe you're not for a couple of years because of a family situation. Sure. You're sure. still a Mustang owner at heart, right? It never leaves you. And there's always, I feel like this itch or this urge to get back into it. And, and that's from the, the company side as well. There's a lot of people within Ford Motor Company that, you know, when you guys are, are giving them the once over and trying to stuff out, are, are they good? Or are they capable? Um, there's a lot of really good and capable people within Ford that have a passion for Mustang. And um, I think that the team does a pretty good job of looking for that within the company because we do believe, and this is across all levels within Ford, that Mustang is something special, right? A lot of people say it's the the heart and soul of the company. And, mm -hmm. and so we want to make sure we look for the best people we can to put on it. And, um, you know, I've known people that came before me that were a Mustang that are great. And, and I know that we'll continue to put good people on it going forward because it is that important, right? You need to have that, that bit of passion. And even if you're not the most mechanically inclined, if you've got that, that passion for the car and the brand and the respect for the owner base, um, you can make a really good product or brand manager. Absolutely. Hey, Mike, um, when you think about being the brand manager and Mark's time there, especially when the bullet came out as the hobbyist, as the president of the club, not just in your employment, um, what do you think, how would you rate that interaction level between say one of the, the presidents, one of the largest clubs in the United States, if not North America and the Mustang brand team. And how important is that for you to be able to do what you do with the club? Two things. One thing, John, we got to, we got to mention and it touches kind of what Mark said is um, you know, our our big line is everyone has a Mustang story, whether you owned one ever or not. So, like you said, talk about that being a lifestyle. It absolutely is. And yeah, with the, with the likes of Mark and like Jim Owens and those guys that have been around the game for a while and do have a true um, personal passion for it, it shows to all the enthusiasts. Um, so if you're at an event at Carlisle and you're doing a live walk around a new vehicle, say it would be the bullet or whatever it may be, you know when those people are talking, like you said, no one can see through them. They know exactly what they're talking about. If questions are coming at them, they're always prepared um, without even knowing they're prepared. It's just because of the knowledge that they retain and their passion for the actual nameplate itself. I've never been more impressed uh, with those two guys and anybody can ever ask them something and they always have the answer. And I think the you're saying the enthusiasts and the club people all can see that and appreciated them and um, just very valued them to be part of Ford Motor Company and leading the, the brand that we all desire and we love. You know, that is, Mark, that's pretty special. And and um, when we talk about the, the job that you've played, I know you had a lot of highlights um, after you left product marketing, got into the... Um, being the brand manager but it had to be like one of the top ones had to be the launch of the bullet it definitely was i think there's a lot of memories from that bullet launch that are pretty special i think i can vividly remember the first time that we sat and i think john you were probably even in the room when mike berardi brought in sean and basically laid out on the table that the original bullet exists, they have it, and they want to reveal it to the world as it's been gone for a while. Listening to that and being one of the first people to actually hear the story that Sean had to tell, you know, where the car had been, why it had been in secret for a while, 
and then being able to see the car before anybody else. I think that to me was a very special moment. And that's one of those things that, again, you're, you know, you're getting paid to do this, but at the same time, you're like a kid in a candy store, you know, when, when you see that car for the first time and knowing that you're one of only a handful of people that has seen it, you know, in, in such a long time. Well, you know, and Mike Baretti, a lot of our uh, enthusiasts know Mike uh, because of his time at Ford and in field service and, and now as a collector, but you're absolutely right. And th those, those types of um, things that happened to us, you know, when the phone rang, I was at Ford Racing when I got the call uh, from Triple Horror Studios saying that they had the original bullet. And I said to the guy, if I had a nickel for everybody said they had the original bullet, I have at least a buck by now. <laughs> So the funny thing is, Mark, that they uh, they were calling Ford Racing to see if I would come down and validate the car. And I known about the, the previous story because I knew Brad Bowling, who when I was at Auto Week was uh, writing for me uh, for an escape roads. And Brad was the one that knew Sean Kiernan's father and knew that. And I knew the story of how they said they were going to put it away and and they would he would never reveal where it was. So I was very curious. And then I said, listen, I cannot go down there try to validate this car uh, unless I had Kevin Marty with me. And when they said to me, Mark, who is Kevin Marty? I knew I was in trouble. So yeah. I went, I actually I, went I, down that, there. That probably turned off a couple of warning bells for you. Yeah. So we did go down there. I got to, uh, we spent most of the day down there, got to see the actual car sit in it, take pictures. I was like a 12 year old. And then we had to get them to sign on disclosures and have us to sign on disclosures because they were going to launch that car. And this was a year and a half before we launched the bullet. So I was the one when I handed it off to Ford Public Affairs and Berardi and the, the team, they actually got to the point, well, we're not really going to, they, they couldn't agree on, on a program on how to put it out together. And Berardi stepped in and thank God you were there. And the true enthusiasts realized the value of launching our new bullet next to the original bullet. To, so that show, hey, this is a real car with real heritage and it's as badass as Steve McQueen was. And Mark, I remember when you, didn't you take that car pretty much across country? Um, so I didn't take it across country. We set up a bullet drive with, with Paul Rocha, um, with his, all his bullet heads. And, and we brought the 18 or the 19 bullet um, okay. across the country. We didn't bring the original, but the fact that the original stayed secret from the time that, that we found out about it. till all the way the reveal at Detroit auto show was, that's shocking because it is hard. Like I'm talking really hard to keep things secret nowadays with all the spy photographers and the internet and the blogs and everybody's passion. And the fact that that state of secret was amazing. And I even had a moment where I thought I blew it and that the images were going to get out and people were going to find out about this particular car before the reveal. Uh, so I can tell you a little bit about that, but man, there was a, a couple of days where I was scouring the internet, just waiting for a picture to pop up. <laughs> oh no. So, and how in the hell did Mike Ray get Sean and, and the bullet to the, his show behind world headquarters? Mike, what did you do to the guy? <laughs> no, Sean, awesome guy. As both of you guys know personally, I mean, what a stand-up guy and just great to work with. And he's definitely a pure enthusiast as well. So, um, yeah. you know, it's not just he had a car. I mean, he had a love and passion for it and still does to this day. We all still keep in touch with him. And, um, and John, we just heard a rumor today that he's doing something on National Mustang Day. So yep. um, we'll get to dig a little bit deeper into that. But, I mean, Sean's a great guy. And, 
it, it was definitely uh, his time to uh, get his his 15 minutes of fame, if you will, and it just showed his uh, true integrity as a man and uh, an enthusiast. And uh, what what a great honor it is to to call him a good friend. Yeah, that's for sure. Now you got that card to be at that show and have Gail Halderman go, and I mean to bring the the Ford family um, of of employees who've worked on this car and then to get to see and touch part of the legacy of the car is, is always awesome. But Mark, you know, you know we, John, so yeah. you just asked, how did I get them? Yeah. Um, well, I was talking to him before that, you know, obviously during the summer and I said, listen, I got to have that car. I must have memories. I'm sure it's going to be here for Woodward. He goes, consider it done. We'll do whatever it takes to get there. And, you know, working with uh, the four team with, um, you know, four division PR team, everybody, we got it there. No problem. And uh, it was definitely a huge hit as you remember. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean that that thing drew crowds wherever it went, and um, you know even when it went to auction. But Mike, that, that's that's I think you and I talk about this a lot, and with all the stuff that Mark touched while he was in in uh, brand managing for Mustang. But I think that Mark, I I think the coolest thing you ever did is you got married at the Paquette plant. <laughs> that was the high point for me. I will say. How, um, how yeah, did you? He, who thought of that? Was that you or was that your wife or was it Steve? That Denby? was my wife. So, you know, the you, you talk about Mustang and the passion that people have. She is as big, if not a bigger Mustang fan than I am. In fact, she will. It's really funny. So it's not a surprise that we're married. Um, but her. Remember back in high school, you would take those senior pictures and you would put, you know, the back in the day, you'd have the funny poses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remembers John, it might be. Yeah, I don't know if they had. Did they have pictures back then, John? I don't know. Where they have cameras, or they? They're they black had and to white. Sketch you yeah. with an artist. Yeah, yeah they yeah. bring in the painter. It was but oil anyway, painting. Yeah, you'd get yeah oil painting. Yeah, it took a long time. You had to sit the very very still. But um, no, her senior picture was taken with her SN95 Mustang. So that's uh, how big a fan she was. So her dad is a big car guy, and he put his he imparted his passion onto her. And then, so when I met her, it's no surprise that, that we ended up dating and getting married. And when it was time for picking the venue for the wedding, uh, we found out that the Ford Paquette plant was an air, was a place that you could go and rent out. And um, they had the cars that were still there and it was just a perfect venue for us to go to. It, it aligned right with both of our passions and it was a really eclectic and, and different kind of place to, to have the wedding reception. And so, um, it was it was really cool and you know a a way for people to sign the guest book at the wedding so if you came you would normally you know have a book or something that you would write a congratulations to uh, so for us because Mustang is such a big part of our family it's kind of how we met through both of us working uh, in some capacity on Mustang we took a fender, a front fender from an S550 and had everybody sign it with Sharpies. And that was our wedding guest. Book. So oh, we got a, a scrap fender from the plant that they were going to throw away. And, oh. um, you know, it's a uh, sitting in our basement right now. And so that's our guest book from our wedding. So it's got the five liter badge on the side and it's got everybody's, you know, congratulations on the side of it. And uh, eventually when we, you know, finish up the basement and, and, we're going to keep that as a kind of a centerpiece of something to show people and talk about. And, and it really kind of goes to, you know, our overall love for, for that car. And it's a special time for us because, you know, we met through it and it's and we even have our son. He's got one of those little motorized Mustang cars. Oh, yeah. but, you know, if you ask him what his favorite car is, our, our toddler is 
you know, Shane will tell you it's Mustang. So we're, we're passing that right down to the next generation. That is so cool. And hey, John. Yeah, I got to I got to tell a quick story, too. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Mark's wife then was on the account team um, when I was on product team and all of our meetings with Mark. And it was funny. And I don't know if Mark remembers this at all, but it always felt like she was on one side of them and I was on the other side of them. Like it was us three always lined up in the meetings <laughs> and I just weird that it worked out that way. And then uh, so glad to see that um, they actually ended up getting married. Cause she was definitely enthusiastic and, and a Mustang girl all the way through. And uh, yeah, it was just, just great, you know, just a great love Mustang love story, if you will. Yeah. I remember we, Demby said, he's getting married at Paquette. And I go, man, that's one upmanship from every previous brand manager in the whole planet. How, do, how does he do that? It was so cool. But, you know, that that's, Mark, um, I just have to warn you, started 25 years ago when I walked into SVT when we launched the 1995 Cobra R. And after all these 25 years, you get to collect a lot of stuff. And I'm actually in the process of moving my home office down to my man cave. Um, that fender would look really cool, except my wife told me, you got, you got to thin the herd. You got too much stuff. So, but see, if she was a a Mustang person like your wife, you could keep this stuff, you know? It's it's cool. You can't let go of that. To a point, I have a feeling that your collection, your, your wife might be right. You might need to thin the herd to get to the, the really important stuff because, uh, um, yeah. you know, there, I, yeah, there is I, something is too many. You know, you don't want to be a, a hoarder. Yeah, don't say that word. That's the H word around here. We can't do that. But it comes to Ford and Mustangs. Hey, uh, Mike Ray, he's got well, I know his Mustang stuff, and and Mike, we get to we're lucky because in the club there are people who have man caves and collections. And Mike, remember Mike, you took me to one of the earliest founders of the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan, and Joe Arante. And we yeah. got we remember he took us down to his basement and saw some of the stuff from the earliest days of Mustang that we've never seen before. Right. Yeah. Especially the um, you know, when he was just uh you know, a young Ford employee and just got his 65 Mustang and was working and going to little car shows and things back then. And then how the club originated back in 1975 and then showing us the original work and, and all that. It was just, yeah, definitely something to always remember and that there's a million of them out there too. I mean, you know, there's no other following in any automotive hobby than there is for Mustang. Not that I've, you know, and I've been in the hobby a long time, but Mark, the, the big question that everybody has, and you know, once, I can't wait to see your work in, in the experience world with performance and with Mustang. But the big question most of the people I have in the hype, especially the club uh, presidents, is, you know, Mustang and Ford, almost every brand has pretty much been a top-down kind of marketing where the company decides a, a path and then they they get involved with the enthusiast community. And for so many of us involved in the hobby, it's really a bottom-up we hope that we get our voices heard and to have when you're on the ground to take that experience from the ground and what the owners say and to get it to the top ends of the company. Is that going to be part of the ownership experience where you, because you spent time on the ground and you know people like Mike, are you going to be able to work with clubs uh, and be more involved in that community to bring your message from the ground up in the other direction? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that is definitely something that Mike and I were actually chatting back and forth between this of, you know, making sure that we can hear the voice of, of what the owners are wanting because I, and I will say it's not just me and it's not just uh, on Mustang. I think in general Ford is making a very strong effort to put the customer's voice first 
Uh, and then in my role in particular, I definitely want to continue to engage with the clubs because that's, that's really who we're doing this for, right? We're doing this for our owners. And if we don't understand and don't know what they want, then we're not going to bring out the right, the right experiences. And we really need to hone in on, on what our owners want from us as a company and, and what we can provide. What are those things that would make their ownership experience that much better, different than, than something else? Uh, we did that a lot when I was in, in product and brand. Uh, you know, we would bring owners and, and, and talk to the clubs. I think I went out and spoke to the, the Moxham Club at least once. And it's one of those things that that strong relationship between the owner base and the, the motor company uh, is very important. And the stronger the relationship, typically the better the outcome. So my hope is when I get done with, with my paternity leave and, and head back to work in, in February, that uh, we'll be able to pick up right where I left off a couple of years ago and, and strengthen that relationship between Ford and the club. Well, I know Mike would um, really love to have you participate in something that he created about a decade ago. Um, and it's in February. Uh, we call it the Midwest Club Summit. And Mike, um, you have to admit, when we have, if we could have somebody like Mark zoom in on that meeting and hear the mission of the Mustang Clubs that we're trying to promote right now. And Mark, to give you a hint, the mission we see now, because many of us, some of us are getting either losing their hair or their hair is turning silver. So we've decided that the hobby's best interest would be to take their love and passion for Mustang and to be the bearer, the baton bearer to pass it to the next generation so that we can show them uh, the joy of being a Mustang person, let have them teach them the ropes of cars and maintenance and where to get things fixed and done and restoring and maintaining your cars and customizing them, and then to give them the opportunities to lead the clubs into new types of experiences with activities. And Mike, don't you think that that would be not just serving us to keep clubs going, but serving Ford? Uh, me and Mark are already one step ahead of you. We're already started talking about it. Well, that's nothing new. <laughs> I got a website to put out, okay? It definitely is something that we're going to do. So I will I will make sure to to dial into to that particular one. I won't be able to come in person, but um, I want to be able to sit and listen. And my hope is that we can open those lines of communication ongoing. Right? It doesn't necessarily have to be once a year. That you know, if any of the clubs around the country um, have input or, or have thoughts, we we always like to sort of keep that conversation ongoing. And um, I've known Mike for a long time, so that's an easy one. But I don't necessarily know all of the club presidents, which I guess would be hard, but John, you probably know them all. We're pushing 500 clubs in Club Connect, and uh, I have a personal relationship with well over half of them, and uh, if that doesn't keep your inbox and your phone busy, I don't know what does, but that's part of, you know, Mark, as you, and Mike, Mike knows this better than anybody, the, the hobby, the Mustang hobby isn't really about being a hobby. It's not really about being a club. It's a relationship management business. And it's those people who build relationships with all these people in the hobby that make the hobby so much fun and so great. And if the clubs can serve as the, um, the baton passer, though, the way to bring Mustang love into the next generation of owners, then the, the clubs will serve a very big, important role. And your job, Mark, I think would be easier because then you would be say, hey, you know, there's value. Yeah, these people are a little bit older. Maybe they don't embrace, embrace the EVs as much, but they certainly own five, six, seven Fords. And 
Uh, Mark, that's why I wanted to get your spin. I know just recently we got some bad news on the sales front where the chip shortage and plant shutdowns have caused a little bit of lagging sales for Mustang. And that, that really old Mopar was able to pass it in sales. I'm sure you guys have a plan to keep the Mustang name back front and center, not just getting more chips. Yeah, so I and I will defer to Jim Owens on that one. He's he's definitely in charge of that, and and it's in good hands with him. Unfortunately, there's sometimes there are things that are out of our control, and and while sales are important, there's a lot of other important things. And I think making sure that we deliver the right product to our customers is, is paramount. And so we'll we'll get back on track from production standpoint. The chip shortage definitely has hurt us uh, in, in the deliveries. Uh, but th that's something that I know Jim is, is completely on top of, and and we're hoping for a, a better 2022. Yeah, there's sure no uh, Mike. I haven't seen any sagging of enthusiasm for for the brand, especially Mike. Uh, you've been hit with a lot of people that are just itching to get back on the road. You know, talking about performance, God, I wish my my allocations were at least triple because I could sell them all. There's that many people waiting in line for certain vehicles. And yeah, it, it, it's tough now, but they're always going to be there and, you know, supply and demand, right? So that's always going to play a factor. So how much do you think it's important, Mike, that the clubs continue to bring not just their S S95s or S197s, or S550s, but the original cars to the show and connect the heritage that Mark as a brand manager had to carry forward and now as a customer experience manager, how, is it, how important is it to keep these, these older cars out there? That's where it all began. That's the history. That's what everybody wants to know. So where, where did it begin? Like just how you told Gail that day, you know, if you would have drawn a turd, there wouldn't have been nothing in that parking lot. Instead <laughs> we have 1200 cars, you know what I mean? So it's just, uh, it, it's, there's nothing like Mustang. And I think all three of us know it very well. And a lot of the listeners, I'm sure, also know that. I mean, hitting 10 million Mustangs was something huge. And, um, you know, no one else can really say that. So it's, it, it, the following is unparalleled to anybody. Yeah, the older cars, every generation is there. And I mean, look at that. Are you guys watching Bear Jacksons and the Meekums and the Fox bodies are bringing over 100 grand now? It's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely that. insane. Oh, my. Mark, it's, it's, I'm so glad that you're going to be back into this realm of the Mustang and performance world. And it's, it's good news to everybody who's listening to us that you're going to be back interacting with us at, in, at this level. And I, I just have to say that um, based on what you've done so far in the, as a brand person and forward and on your experience level, we're all looking forward to the, this, uh, this brand and this future, because let's be honest, some, some car companies build good cars and they build cars that um, people will buy but Ford builds icons and those, those don't last five, six, seven years and go away. To, to be around for half a century is pretty amazing for a car that still puts a smile on your face when you drive it. Absolutely. And it's from a, the company side, right? It's a privilege to work on it. There's a responsibility that I think everybody within Ford that, that has a part in Mustang field and, and they take seriously. And so we want to continue that. And, like you mentioned, bringing the, the original cars to, to the shows, it's important for us to, to keep an eye on the history and, and stay true to our heritage. But at the same time, we got to look forward to, right? How do we, how do we attract the next generation of Mustang owners? Because we want to make sure that, that we're there for another 50 and, and we're going to have to continue to evolve and, and look for ways that things we can do to bring those young people into the brand and get them hooked. So that way they'll be around and, and doing 
whatever version of the podcast exists in, in 20 years from now, whatever, whatever that might be. We're I'm sure, sure they'll laugh at, at a podcast in 20 years, but you know, they'll be yeah, they'll, like they, like they do with cassette tapes. Yeah. But, but I gotta <laughs> tell you, Mark, we're, uh, Mike can promise you this. We're going to continue to wave the flag uh, for this brand. And uh, we think that with interaction with this next generation of enthusiasts, when they see and interact with the cars that, made it special originally they don't they don't want to come to a used car lot they want to come to a car show and i know when I, a couple of years ago when they said the uh, young people aren't into cars we saw mike they were at shows they may have been pushing their strollers they may have been parked uh, across the street and didn't bring a car but mike they're at your show absolutely and um as you know one of the last few shows we've done we had a young adults area um just for them and you know a lot of the younger group just want to kind of cruise in and stay for an hour or two and then leave they're not the eight hour pull out your chair and sit on the concrete for eight hour people <laughs> and, uh, you know that's fine we catered to them and the process we did for them to get a special goodie bag was actually to you know navigate through the show field so they actually could see what was going on in every area and then get to their area and then walk back so you know they they might have saw, seen something that caught their eye or, you know, something they wanted to get involved in or they normally wouldn't have seen if they would have just, you know, maybe got that on the way in, parked, and then just left. So we kind of make them interact while they're there and uh, to, you know, meet certain people and, you know, tell different benefits of, of different things, whether it be sponsors, whether it be memberships in a club, you know, whether it be a, a fun prize you can win at the product raffle. You know, there's all kinds of different things for them to uh, witness probably for the first time in their lives. And, uh, you know, each year the turnout has grown and grown and grown and working with the millennial mustang registry and those guys it's just um you know we all work as one team to uh like you said wave the flag and uh keep bringing the younger customers in to buy the product amen mike and uh again mark uh we know it's all about the experience uh, as a mustang person so thanks for your time tonight and thank you ladies and gentlemen for listening in to mark Schaller. We're looking forward to working with Mark and making this Mustang experience, the ownership experience, even better into the future. And we hope that you continue to listen to the Mustang Owners Podcast into the future. Mark, thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it, gentlemen. Okay, and Mike, thank you. And I will catch you on the next podcast down the road. <laughs>